Welcome back to Fungibility. I'm your host, Ruve. Another great week. You know, I, I promised myself and Laura and the team that I wasn't going to talk about the bear market. Oh, I just did. Another week of, of massive losses. At some point, you'd think the market would stabilize. I'm looking for a dead cat bounce, uh, any kind of bounce at this point. Um, news, bad news keeps, keeps permeating the space. At, at some point, we will reach a bottom, and, and then it'll probably go and plateau for a while. I'm, I think we're all waiting for that plateau. But in other news, more interesting news, I suppose you'd say, you know, the, one of the articles we saw over the weekend was the folks over GameStop, which were, I guess, popular for being one of the stocks that rode the sort of pandemic wave of investor or, or retail sort of, you know, interest in, in the stock market has come out and said that their beta of their platform is now ready. It looks like it's kind of a cross between a kind of marketplace and a wallet not the most original, I would say, in terms of NFT offerings. It looks like they basically did a variety of Me Too's, but we'll see if it works. Some of the more recent uh, announcements around NFT marketplaces, such as the one by Coinbase, kind of fell flat. I don't know if you've ever tried it. And I, I, I was lucky enough to get an early access for whatever that was worth. But the moral of the story was there was nobody there. And there was literally no act activity within the market. It looked okay. It looked kind of like a you know, Coinbase version of OpenSea, but without any users, you know, the question of the utility and value of the platform was was pretty, pretty obviously missing. So I guess the question with GameStop, will they suffer from a similar problem where they sort of have this field of dreams, build it and they will come and nobody shows up. So hopefully their, uh, their cornfield is a little more uh, prosperous than the others. But again, interesting market, interesting times, lots, lots going on. There's no shortage. There was a recent uh, launch of a DAO management platform. I think it was uh, possibly earlier today, and they, they announced a $20 million raise. So certainly a lot of interest in the DAO space continu that continues to permeate. This episode is, is going to be interesting. We've got a uh, Chaz from a really interesting company. It's in a Mocha brand. It's a, in, in Bondly. It's a variety of brands here. He's going to explain what they're doing and some of the interesting things they're launching. Chaz, well, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ruth. Yeah, great to be here. So give us a little background, like, uh, you know, your company, what you're doing. Let's, let's start there. Well, yeah. So as you, uh, as you rightly said, our company was Bondi, uh, although as of uh, Thursday last week, we have rebranded to Forge, F-O-R-J. And, uh, and there's a number of reasons for this. It was a, uh, yeah, quite, quite big news and, and obviously a massive step uh, for, for us as a business and, and obviously being part of Animoca, uh, been working closely with those guys. Uh, it's, it's all part of a, a wider plan, um, more to be revealed over the coming weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was very much around this kind of, I guess the, the thinking about the next big wave of adoption, I think, you know, everyone's focusing on uh, on the market right now. And as, as you rightly touched on, it's, it's not good, Bob, um, but uh, it's, it's certainly, you know, from our point of view, it's, it's actually a good time to be to be focusing, to be building, um, to be preparing for what we know will be uh, that sort of next big peak in regards to kind of uh, wider user adoption. And we're seeing a lot of good news stories. I know I was just saying to you just now, you know, it, it really is a, uh, a, a paradox really that we have so much good news coming out and yet it's not impacting uh, market sentiment and that's obviously you know due to a number of factors but we as, as a brand we recognize that that when that time comes when there is a, a greater focus on mass adoption 
you know, we want to position ourselves in the right way, you know, a, a brand that people can relate to that uh, is much more focused around lifestyle. Uh, you know, Bonley Finance doesn't have the same ring to it as, as Forge, which is much more about the kind of process of creation, whether that's creation of relationships with fans or partnerships with uh, with other great projects or, or of course, creation of, uh, of fantastic NFTs and, and uh, web free technologies. You know, that's that's absolutely what we're trying to trying to convey here. And uh, it's, it's been a really, really exciting time for us. And uh, and our first big announcement, you know, uh, which we announced this week was a, a big partnership with Phantom Galaxies, the AAA game, uh, the kind of jewel in the crown of, of Animoca. Uh, in regards to blockchain games uh, in terms of owned brands. Of course, they have Axie Infinity and others, but uh, Phantom Galaxies is, is certainly a, a really, really respected AAA game. And we are the only uh, other platform other than Phantom Galaxies themselves to be selling planets. So we have an exclusive land sale happening uh, this week, which we're really excited about. So yeah, lots there. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. D- don't, don't let the market fool you. Things are, things are popping off over at Forge. Yeah, it looks like it. And, and so you've gone from Bondly, which I'm not going to lie, sounded like a kind of bond trading company or some something right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, it sounded like something I, I would use to uh, trade some derivatives or something like that. But you guys were more focused on sort of the launching of these types of projects and this new brand, Forge, which is reminiscent of, I don't know, like a a fjord or something in in um and sweden or or yes you know it, it has it has a distinctively northern sort of feel i feel like a viking's gonna jump out and try to like you know <laughs> convince me to get some nfts but i like it it's short it's sweet it's it's a good name well and and you know what it's um it's funny because the the word forge as in the correct spelling f-o-r-g-e Clearly, we were never going to get uh, <laughs> get ownership of that. But, um, you know, we, we were looking into it and I said, well, what about, you know, the, the phonetic spelling of Forge? You know, F-O-R-J. Uh, if you look at any dictionary, that's how they uh, essentially how they spell the phonetic uh, word for Forge. And I thought, well, that's that's great. You want people to be able to say it, uh, you know, basically say what you see. It's the same word, but we, we can own it. And it's um, it's a bit more distinctive. So, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that stood out. And uh, it's certainly not a bad analogy. I think. Um, you actually hit the nail on the head. I think with Bonley, people do think, you know, uh, finance and, and we very much were when we first launched back in late 2020, you know, DeFi and finance were certainly, you know, uh, a couple of the big product offerings that we were uh, talking about in our white paper. We, we even talked about launching a DEX at one point, uh, but that's kind of faded away as we focus much more on the uh, evolving industry of, of kind of NFT and Web3, uh, certainly around the metaverse as well. So we have... For those of you who don't know uh, Bonley and, and now Ford, we also have two um, incubated brands, uh, the first being PokerPet, which was launched back in uh, February 2021, um, and, and also Metapins, which launched late last year, which is, um, which is actually a, a, was something launched in partnership with Animoca Brands as well. Uh, and it's basically utilizing the relationship we have with Animoca Brands uh, and, and their you know, huge portfolio of, of metaverse projects. They have, believe it or not, over 50 metaverse projects on their books. And, you know, they obviously don't talk to each other uh, and there's not necessarily a, uni- well, there isn't a universal standard for, uh, you know, assets in, in metaverses, but we're, we're seeking to be that, that kind of, um, that solution where, you know, big brands can come to us and see us as a bit of a one-stop shop 
uh, and we can uh, we can essentially you know ensure that you have if you want to sell a pair of let's say you're Nike and you're selling trainers, you want to sell trainers on the Sandbox, but also on Decentraland, but also on Wilder World, etc. Uh, etc. Et you know we can facilitate that where otherwise you might be you know going around the houses trying to you know uh, instigate uh, you know hundreds of different relationships and speaking to many 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 different developers to make that happen. So um, yeah, we're we're very much trying to be the gateway for brands looking to get into the space, and it's a really exciting time to be to be in that uh, in in that that area really around metaverses. And obviously, um, the Sandbox being our our sister brand as well, also Animoca owned. Um, you know, we work very closely with those guys. Nice. Yeah, we've been at Warpool working on our Sandbox integration, which is pretty exciting for us. Oh so wow! You could earn tokens uh, as you build, own, and play games within the context of Sandbox. We we uh, we support about 300 uh, PC video games, things like Fortnite and Call of Duty and various sporting games. Earn, earn and win rewards as you play your favorite games. Anyway, in, the Sandbox is really interesting. If you haven't seen it, it's it's kind of, a, in my opinion, it kind of looks a little bit like Minecraft. It's it's a metaverse. It's pretty cool. You can buy land. You know, I think I think there's Snoop Dogg and stuff like that, if I'm not mistaken, in the land. Yeah. So there's like yeah. like sought after locations. I guess I need to get my crib near uh, the Snoop and, and those guys. It, it, it's probably really expensive, I'm going to guess. But um, so let's talk a little bit about launching. Like we're like you heard that we're in the midst of a of a bear market. I'm sure you're you like everybody else is aware. But as you point out, the market hasn't stopped. There's still tons of excitement around things like DAO, Metaverse, NFTs. You know, what are some of the things in terms of trends you're seeing? Let's say you want to launch a new project or or NFT offering. Like, what are the sort of things you should consider in this particular market? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, so for, for me, I think what, what I'm noticing, uh, you know, being in the in the area of of, of uh, blockchain industry that we're in. The focus on the metaverse hasn't gone away. So yes, there's been maybe a, a slight uh, lull in terms of the hype, and of course there were you know metaverse projects that uh, you know some are better than others, and some had greater prospects than others. But the reality is, what we're witnessing is the next evolution of internet experience. Now I know we talk about Web three and and uh, the, the decentralized web. Uh, and that's absolutely also a, a, you know, a huge area to, to focus on. And a lot of the infrastructure being built around that uh, is hugely exciting. But, you know, one of the things I want to focus on is realistically the way that the metaverse will change the way that we uh, do things online. And what I mean by that is people think about the metaverse as just, uh, you know, a, a bit of a fad in respect of why would I go and meet my friends in the metaverse and, you know, and, and kind of live a different life, a virtual life in, in a different world, you know, what's, I'd much rather get outside and do, do, uh, do things in the real world. And that's absolutely true. But what I always say to people is, don't look at it like that. Look at it as if, you know, you wanted a slightly better shopping experience. If I'm, uh, if, if myself or my wife are looking at, uh, you know, buying a, let's say, a new pair of jeans, you know, rather than just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling online, uh, whether that's on, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever clothing brand you shop at. I don't know if you guys have uh, ASOS over in the US, but uh, certainly a big one for us over here in the UK. Um, you know, scrolling through pages and pages and pages of jeans. You know, what if you could actually walk into a virtual store and you could actually, you know, and as your avatar, your avatar has been measured exactly to your, uh, to your specifications. So when you try on a pair of jeans as your avatar, you can see what you would look like in those pair of jeans and you can obviously browse in the same way you might browse in the real world. And yes, it's not the same thing as actually going to a shop, but in the absence of being able to go to a shop that has 2000 different types of jeans 
um, that are all in your size, you know, it, it, I can see why that might be an enhanced experience. So, uh, so for me, the, the really exciting uh, space right now to be looking at is, is building around the metaverse. And that's not to say building metaverses. I think there's enough of those projects and, and certainly more coming. Um, it's more about thinking about the ways in which you can enhance the metaverse experience and, and projects that are looking to, uh, you know, looking to get into this space. You know, again, think about what users will realistically want to be able to do and do well there. Um, I've seen some projects, for example, really successfully uh, doing metaverse architecture. So you actually hire an architect to build a property for you in your metaverse. Uh, you know, if you own a piece of land, it's all very well owning that piece of land. Let's say you have a Decentraland plot, but what are you doing with it? Are you, 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 you going to build a shop or a house or, or an office or, you know, and how are you going to do that? Do you have the ability to build your own uh, you know, properties? And uh, if you just build a generic one that you just lifted straight from the website, then, you know, are people going to come to it? Are they going to, you know, are you creating an experience? Are you, you know, how are you going to commercialize that plot of land? And, and those are the projects I think that are going to be massive in the next uh uh, I say the next bull run, but you know, in the in the next kind of wave of of, uh, of adoption, um, it's it's really thinking about how we can better and enhance uh, you know our experience in in the virtual world. So you're a picks and shovels kind of guy. You you think picks that's and shovels, absolutely, yeah. Building the building blocks for the metaverse is going to be the sort of place that you're you're going to make your your opportunity sort of shine. And I think a lot of folks uh, in are in agreement. Um, I think that you know, supporting the ability for others to build is obviously a critical part of the uh, you know, success of any of these new ecosystems. And what's interesting, I think, about the metaverse is we've kind of come full circle. If anyone that's been in the web world long enough will know there's been several iter iterations in the concepts of metaverses. You could even argue that some of the first sort of web platforms back in the early 90s were sort of metaverse centric when you looked at the sort of walled garden of an AOL, you know, mm. although not 3D, the, the, the con conceptually, they were trying to create, you know, a mall of, sor of sorts that you could sort of browse and, and live within. Then you had, you know, later, I think things like Second Life that sort of popped up Sorry, and, tr and tried life. to, yeah, they, again, walled garden, but mall. It's, and a lot of those, if you ever played in Second Life, looked like a mall. And, you know, you buy a store, you put a storefront up and you sort of interact in, in this sort of digital sort of metaverse sort of context. The, all those things sort of faded away, right? The, there, there was a lot of interest, especially in Second Life back probably 10, 12 years ago. And, you know, why is it different now? Yeah, that is a, that is a great question. I think, first of all, the Internet experience wasn't wasn't suitable at that time. Um you know, it, it was, it was, I mean, I, I actually, uh, funny story, I studied Second Life as part of my um, master's degree at university. And um, it was, you know, we had to basically uh, explore it as part of our, uh, as part of our uh, assignment. And uh, it was just, it was, it just felt very uh, impersonal. And it, it, there wasn't much you could do with it, really. I mean, obviously, you could, as you say, it's a walled garden, there was, uh, you know, within the confines of the platform, there are things you could do. Um, but it, it really, the, 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 the way that Metaverse is moving now with the evolution of the internet, the fact that you had mobile, obviously back then you didn't have mobile, uh, mobile internet in the way we do now. Uh, I'm not even sure if mobile internet was really uh, properly a thing at that point. And the ability for, for people to actually own and, and actually have ownership over these plots in the Metaverse, that's what makes it interesting. You know, it's, it's I can do what I want with my plot and I own it and I can commercialize it. I can, I can sell it on other platforms. 
um, you know, it feels like it's mine and it is, well, and it is actually mine. Uh, so that's where, you know, they, they didn't have NFTs ultimately. Um, there was no way of proving ownership uh, and there was no way of taking that ownership anywhere else except for within the platform. So essentially and you were, you were beholden to the, uh, to the ecosystem, you know, the, you needed to uh, rely on, on that ecosystem being uh, adopted. So like with any kind of web two platform, you know, it's like saying, uh, if you were able to, I don't know, purchase space on, on Facebook or whatever it might be, well, what if everyone leaves Facebook? What happens then? And, uh, you know, you do have that somewhat, uh, so some degree of risk in, in regards to that with the current iteration of the metaverse, but you are able to, you know, transfer your assets and own those assets outside of, uh, of that ecosystem. So the you're saying that the ability for users to actually own the core assets of these environments is a kind of game changer where some of these you know previous iterations of the metaverse i don't know if you own them so much as lease them or had the right to use them but yes. if you if you think of the internet as an analogy for the metaverse you don't really own a lot of these sort of key assets in the internet either like when you get a domain name you know your forge.network you know, mm. you're essentially leasing it right you don't you know and, and if you don't pay your your bill to your you know, re registrar, that goes away. Now, the argument, I suppose, could be made that nobody had any trouble, you know, with the adoption, you know, of the internet without owning, necessarily owning the core assets. Although there is an argument to be made that you could hypothetically own a data center and host the stuff, but nobody owns that either now with AWS and, you know, other cloud-based infrastructure. So, in, you know, I think that I think ownership, in my opinion, is part of the story. I think I think it's nice to have ownership. I think it's more, it's better if it's interoperable. So I can take yes. my sandbox yeah. NFTs and use them somewhere else. And I think I think that idea of interoperability still is nascent. You know, I think that there isn't. I think we we discuss it, but the reality is, you know, it's it's really difficult to do things beyond the context of a singular metaverse at this point. Yes. So maybe I'm throwing out ideas. Maybe the uh, maybe the analogy that we need to look at is something more akin to a, a web browser, where you have a common mechanism to access this kind of metaverse specification, and mm. then you know, much like surfing the web, you can do whatever you want with your web page, or in, your, in this case, your metaverse page, street, whatever the analogy is. Maybe that's the missing piece, possibly. Well, actually, movie, great, great point because I, um, uh, I won't mention the name of the of the company, but I spoke to a company in uh, LA. I went to um, NFT LA uh, a couple of months ago, and um, they are doing just that. They are building a, a web browser for the metaverse, and I completely agree. Uh, you know, it, I think it would be uh, maybe remiss to say that. Uh, that the current iteration of the metaverse is, is so far removed from the, the previous iteration. Obviously, the ability to own and have proof of ownership of these assets is, is one thing. But as you say, there is still some degree of centralization in the platforms until we get to a truly open metaverse, which is, uh, as you guys will know, you know that's, that's always been Animoca's uh, kind of primary goal is, is the, kind of, you know, the, the adoption of the open metaverse, something that, that needs to happen, frankly, for this movement to actually gain traction. Um, it, yeah, absolutely. And with that will come the ability and the requirement, ultimately, to have some standardization of, of your, your experience. And, and that would involve things like browsing. So, yes, exactly that. Why can't you just search for uh, jeans <laughs> and have a range of, of metaverse experiences pop up, uh, any one of which you could choose and, and then jump into that, that experience and actually start participating?
it's it's funny you mentioned that because you know I've I've got a long history as my listeners know in the cloud computing space, and in 2008 I think it was maybe 2007 I decided that uh, cloud computing needed to be open and interoperable. That that was the big thing back then, oh, and yeah. so I, I took it upon myself to write a manifesto, which. In hindsight, anything called a manifesto is generally a bad idea. I'm throwing it out there now. But essentially, the this this manifesto was this document that I wrote that basically said the cloud needed to be open and we didn't we shouldn't be locked in to various types of cloud providers. I I, I thought that there would be like three cloud providers that would dominate the world, and I thought that it was going to be a, be a big problem. I think I was right. You know, there's like three right now that really matter. So I was definitely right. But the side effect of this of this open cloud manifesto, which I included a specification to how to interoperate, you know, between different clouds, created this huge hubbub. Like I, I the folks at Microsoft took out a full page Wall Street Journal ad and, and basically said that that I was uh, fostering a backroom mentality. If you Google the open cloud manifesto, you can see some of the uh, details of that. They hated wow. it, and, and <laughs> but they hated it because I basically signed up like 200 different companies. All except for Amazon, Microsoft, and Google, and wow. they, they they felt that they were being singled out, which they were, for not creating a interoperable sort of cloud environment, which they ended up, you know, look at the cloud right now. Long story short, you know, there are things I think we can learn from the past. One, a manifesto might not be the best approach. I think it, it people don't re or companies don't react well to being sort of called out. But I think if, if I could go back and say the things that were smart, were creating an open standard, some kind of mechanism, specification that, that is jointly you know, agreed upon that, that says, hey, this is how we expect data, visuals, 3D objects, you know, X, Y, Z coordinates to sort of behave. And if we can do that, then maybe we're, we take a step towards truly manifesting an interoperable metaverse. But avoid avoid the the uh, you know any kind of manifesto. Yes, and I think the um, I think a lot of it will come down to uh, commercialization of, of that um, interoperability. And what I mean by that is, you know, if let's say the sandbox sell a load of assets and you can use them on a different platform, that other platform is just you know essentially giving up. Uh, you know, uh, some degree of, of you know right access, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, you know, and, and that that's been paid for, and, and the profits received by another company. So, how do you, uh, I guess, commercialize um, that experience in a way that that kind of makes sense? Could it be that you charge an entry fee if you don't have uh, an asset that was created specifically on your platform? Um, you know, could it be that there's uh, you know enhanced offerings for you know for you purchasing? Uh, that asset on on your you know your native platform, and obviously therefore you know people are still incentivized to to purchase multiple different assets across multiple platforms. I don't know, I haven't got the answers, but I think that needs to be solved uh, before these players are going to start wanting to open up their doors to to the world. And and I know that that sounds silly, being you know as we are you know in, a, in an industry that's focused on decentralization, but that's just the nature of of, of business, right? And and obviously people need to make a living, so. Um, you, you don't want to be that the metaverse platform that's just hosting everyone else's land. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we definitely need to get get through that. But um, but that's ultimately what Metaprints are looking to try and do. You know, we, we we're talking to these platforms. We're trying to understand, you know, the best way to create interoperability. And and we um we've kind of uh, created a, a kind of a, a solution um, focused on a sort of de a, a DAO 
uh, creator platform. So in other words, it's kind of a create, we call it creates to earn. <laughs> um, and the idea being that, uh, you know, any number of different creators across different platforms who have skills in 3D modeling, et cetera, that are relevant for different uh, metaverses, um, you know, can essentially sign up and, uh, and sort of put forward uh, responses to brand briefs to create assets. And if that brand selects their asset, they, they will receive a share of any, uh, of any takings from the sales of that assets uh, across um, the, the platform it was designed for. So, you know, we're encouraging kind of brands and creators uh, and metaverse platforms to work together in harmony. And by doing that, you can very quickly uh, scale, you know, um, you know, assets across multiple platforms, you know, at, at the same time which is great uh, and kind of designed by experts in the field. And of course, you know, the, the best, the best models, the best designs will, will win. Uh, and therefore it's encouraging, you know, uh, good quality creators as well. Uh, but that's not the, the only solution per se. We, we've also considered the idea of a metaverse blueprint. So, you know, you have certain degree of metadata, um, you know, that you would, you know, let's say you're, you're a user and you would, you would purchase an NFT that in effect held a certain degree of metadata. We've seen this done already. I forgot the name of the project now, but it's just a list of items. Um, you have to remind me of the name, uh, if you can remember that one, but it was quite popular for a time. You, you basically bought a list of items like Axe or, you know, Potion or whatever it was. And these, these in theory could be transferred across different games. So a similar kind of thing where you'd have, you know, an NFT that would say, you know, uh, house, uh, the color red or whatever it might be. And you could then in effect, uh, you know, take that to different platforms and it would materialize a different version of that red house uh, across multiple different uh, metaverses. But again, super early days, super rudimentary at the moment. And uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't want to fall into the trap of saying, you know, the metaverse is here, you know, where are you? Well, you, you should be, you should be uh, participating on a daily basis, but at the same time, don't ignore what's happening because this is not your average revolution. <laughs> yeah. You know, this yeah. is, uh, this, this is really quite something. No, I, I agree. And I think some of the things that I'm describing from the sort of early infrastructure, cloud infrastructure days does apply quite well. You know, you, you, yes. we're obviously working in different con contexts, you know, you're talking about visual and three dimensional and value, but the NFT, as you point out as a form of metadata is op is optimal, right? You can define, the, both the visual and the non-visual components in a way that is, you know, uni uniform at least. And if you include things like royalty payments upon secondary sale, you've got yeah. a, at least a pretty, pretty much agreed upon specification, even if it's, you know, some variant on OpenSea. And back to your point about a web browser and some of these things in, in the world of, you know, infrastructure, there's this concept of peering and a peering agreement is how multiple networks communicate with each other. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're Netflix and you use a third of the overall bandwidth for the internet, you need to have peering relationships. So you have a, the ability to deliver that data in a consistent, you know, consistent way. And those, those peering relationships can happen in a sort of paid manner. Netflix will give additional money or consideration to various networks to optimize their traffic, which a lot of the, you know, folks that don't like an open internet or a closed internet hate. But that's kind of the, the way it works. And uh, but at the base of all this stuff, again, a common agreed upon network topology and, and definition. And without that, you, you couldn't peer, for, for example, or have a DNS system. So mm. we're we're creating a kind of higher level abstraction, a little, you know, where those other things were based on infrastructure. These are based on clients and users and games and whatnot. But I think you're right. The 
the future is open. And if you get creative or, or technically minded, you can do a ton for sure. Um, oh, we're, running out of, we're running out of time. So before uh, we, we wrap up, um, for those who are not familiar with our platform or tuning in for the first time, if you go to fungibility.co, you'll see a widget on the left-hand side of the webpage, or if you're on mobile, it's the first thing that'll show. Various things that are discussed in this podcast will be put in our weekly challenge. You can get points and, and tokens based on answering those questions, visiting various websites. Check out the, the Forge spelt with an F-O-R-J dot network. You can get some points and, and you can redeem those points for this week's episode. Do you have a preference on which uh, network we, we meant this to? We meant to Polygon mostly and sometimes Cello. If you've got a preference, you know, let, let us know. Uh, and lastly, what is the best way to learn more about you, your company, things you're involved in? Um, if, for our listeners. Yeah, sure. It was, it was a question about the network for me, because if, if so, Polygon is definitely, uh, for me, a, a, the, you know, one that we're, you know, partnered with and, and uh, big fans of. Well, we're, we're happy to mint on Polygon. I think we've done close to 100,000 uh, uh, episodes minted to Polygon at this point. Thank you, Polygon, for being an early supporter. We, uh, we appreciate the support. We'll, we'll uh, continue. We'll, we'll do this one on Polygon, too. Um, and where, where can our listeners learn more about you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, Forged.network is, is our new website launched last week. Um, and uh, yeah, lots and lots of great content information there. Uh, more about our, our, the new brand and we've got some slick videos, et cetera, to, uh, to, to look at. Um, all the latest news and events, et cetera, are on there. But of course, like all good um, crypto projects, we have a, uh, a well-followed Twitter account. So at Forge Official as well as at Forge Official on Telegram. Uh, we also have a Discord, of course, and, uh, and a YouTube. So, uh, and of course, a Facebook and Instagram, which is not quite as well followed, but we you know that's, uh, that's, it's early days in, in, in regards to those platforms. So um, yeah, we're, we're absolutely everywhere and we'd love to, uh, love to have you as part of our community. Well, appreciate it. Sounds like you're working on some really interesting things. Congrats on the rebrand and repositioning. And for the, that is this week's episode of Fungibility. I'm your host, Ruve, and until next time, thank you.